Hello, and welcome to the pre-Super Bowl, post-Pro Bowl edition of Spitball. <laughs> I'm your host, Adri Borhawk Mallows, and with me, as always, my good friend Marcus Henson. How are you, buddy? Good, thank you. This is a bit of a special week for us, not just because we have a very, very big game coming up on Sunday, <laughs> but it's also... Is there? <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Apparently it kicks off around 6, 7 o'clock Eastern time. And is the most watched sporting event in the world. So, you know. In a non-World Cup final year. Yeah, maybe. But it depends on who gets to the World Cup final. Because if, say, Uruguay would have got to the World Cup final after Suarez, the dirty cheating, helped him get there with the handball on the line, then I don't know that many people would have watched it. (laughs) But anyway. So, yeah, Super Bowl Sunday coming up. With that in mind... We will be having Spitball's first first annual annual awards awards show. show. So, let's get things cracking um, with our first award this evening. And that is my good friend Marcus. It is our end zone award. Which goes to the player who managed to get into that end zone the most this year. The most touchdowns. Ah, glad you said most touchdowns. I didn't know if we were talking on or off the field. (laughs) (laughs) No, most touchdowns, i.e the person who's made the most impact on the scoreboards this year. Okay, so our nominations, just to refresh everyone, were... We had James, James Jones, Jones, Eric, Eric Decker, Decker, Alfred, Alfred Morris, Morris, Arian, Arian Foster, Foster, and Adrian, and Adrian Peterson. Peterson. Brilliant, so I think we're going to try and roll it down in a 3-2-1 scenario for you, so let's hit off with our third place. Three. Goes to Adrian Peterson. Minnesota Vikings running back. He had a great year, great stats, lots of scoring, but wasn't quite good enough to beat these two guys. And also wasn't quite good enough to beat that elusive running yards yeah. record for a single season. He was nine yards and an orange peanut away from... <laughs> Just an orange peanut away from it. <laughs> Just an orange peanut away. For those who, who don't know, I'll put the YouTube clip alongside the podcast because there's been some lip-syncing going around the last couple of weeks. It's a great viral out there. It's brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. So you'll see what we mean when we refer to Adrian Peterson as orange peanut. <laughs> so let's move swiftly on. Two... Goes to James Jones, Green Bay wide receiver. Yeah, great season he's had this year. He, he I mean, seems really be, stepped up. He definitely seems to be the main man, as it seemed that Jordy Nelson didn't quite um, try and get there on the field. What with injuries, not only that, but also I think what the impact he had last year. A lot of people sort of came in and sort of dialed his number up. So it just meant he had the better marking this year. Yeah, James Jones took advantage of his opportunity, so he's made some great catches this year. Absolutely. As we showed alongside the podcast, I think a couple of weeks ago, his catch down the sideline just... And that's what you need, that's what you need. When other people are out injured, you need people like that to step up. Similar to last year when Victor Cruz just came out of nowhere and took the league by storm. Exactly, exactly. When these guys are given their opportunities, you've got to take them. Absolutely. So, for number one, I think we need a little bit of a... One... Arian Foster, Houston, running back. Great, Great season. Yeah, literally, as we are in sync there. I mean, we knew he'd have quite a good season. I mean, we all expected it from him. He had the skill set. He had the guys in front blocking for him. It was just a case of actually seeing whether he'd actually manage to stay healthy and actually get it done. And I would say a conservative coach who likes to control the clock a lot as well. So he likes to rely on his running game, take away the, the time of possession so that when he does get the lead... It allows his defense to get even more pressure on the opposing quarterbacks when they, because he knows short of time they've got to throw it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it does definitely help. I mean, that's a great defense he's got there. He's got some great people to pressure. But the fact is, you do see that. You looked at Schaub's numbers, or like Andre Johnson. You know, they're not outstanding seasons. They're just good seasons. You know, but you give someone like Arian Foster the chances. I mean, it wasn't just running through touchdowns. He was catching them as well. Yeah, and a great asset to the team. So congratulations to Arian Foster for being Spitball's first annual End Zone Award winner. Next, we move on to an award that is very, very close to my heart, bearing in mind it is the Award for most interceptions in the season. So, well, as we, as we likes to call it, his own award. Yeah, it is my own award. I won it for our team last year. You know, seven picks in fourteen games. Technically 13, because one was a default win. <laughs> uh, you know, so 7 in 13 games, I think it's not a bad return. It's not a bad return at all. Exactly. Not too far off, probably our winner, who got that many in 16 games. Yeah. Who's the better bullhawk? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. 
Right, so the nominations for this were Richard, Richard Sherman, Sherman, Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks Patrick, Patrick Peterson, Peterson, Arizona Cardinals, Cardinals Stevie, Stevie Brown, Brown, safety for the New York, New York Giants, Giants, and, and Tim Jennings, Jennings for Chicago Bears. Bears. Uh, same again, we'll roll down three, two, and one. So we have three Richard Sherman, Seattle cornerback, and played his part alongside a lot of other young players in that defense. That this was year. a great defense this year. I mean, got hands to coach the way he's come out and the mentality. He took he took a very young team. He, he himself wasn't overly experienced as a head coach towards its pretty much his first go at being a head coach in the NFL, and he's handled it great. I mean, you look at the playoffs. That's a tough division as well. People are saying taking them out from um, from San Francisco, who of course are this year Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. So you can't deny anything coming out of that group alongside them. No. St. Louis Rams, we improved this year. Cardinals started well with their 4-0 run. Yeah, then they and ran but, into the Bills. Yeah, it, well, I don't know <laughs> what they ran into, but it was almost like brick wall knocked, knocked them uh, sideways. It was the Bills. <laughs> Just for reference. But actually, a lot of people, a lot of people sat and said that nothing's going to come out of the West except for San Francisco. Yeah, I said that myself, and I have to hold my hands up. You know, stand corrected. Credit where credit's due. It was actually a great division to watch this year. Mm. So therefore, I mean, there's a lot of lot to be taken away from that. But what we're really looking at is are the rookies and the first and second years on that team, and it's going to be dominant that defense for quite a few. Very scary. Next year, they'll have more time to study Kaepernick because he is going to be the 49ers starting quarterback going forward. I mean, we don't know at this stage what's going to happen to Alex Smith, whether he'll be traded away or whatever. Marcus is gesturing that he's just going to be walking away or flying away like a fairy. Who knows? But either way, you're saying he's not going to be in San Francisco next year. No, he won't be in San Francisco, I don't think. Because the problem is he's put so much time and effort into... um, attempting to be a, a first-string quarterback, and he's had the reps to, I think, consider a few teams need at least a, a good enough quarterback of his calibre to sort of hold their ship steady. And, I mean, there's a few of them. Yeah, put you on the spot. Jacksonville! Yeah. Um, Who, other than uh, Jacksonville, would Alex Smith be most suited to? Jets. Could go, could go from San Francisco to New York. I think um, the Jets system... Work, could work quite well because it's quite again it's quite a run heavy system something that has been predominantly used in San Francisco the last couple of years with him with Frank Gore being his back yeah but would he want to would Go he into move that into that trap? media circus yeah. that is bearing in mind you still have Sanchez as the starting quarterback and Tebow and McElroy you're looking at people who need them I mean you could possibility of seeing like Philly maybe they, they're up and arming it looks like Michael Vick won't be there this time next year, um, he's going to be on his way out, just like Andy Reid was. Um, Kansas City, speaking of Andy Reid, I don't think Castle's the man to do it there. And I think um, Chief fans are getting frustrated and yeah. a little bit irate. Neither him nor Brady Quinn are the, the way forward for that franchise. So would he either he could potentially take a punt on Alex Smith or would he? There's a few rumours flying around that potentially he, you could end up seeing Vic in Kansas. Possibly, possibly. But we do digress. Yeah, let's move back to the Bullhawk Award. So, third place was Richard Sherman. Second place, Stevie Brown. Surprising Again, for the New York Giants. It was that surprise one where you sort of looked at it and you... The only safety within the actual um, nominations, and he's there at number two. Yeah. New York Giants didn't seem to be a great takeaway team this year. But therefore, they've done it all in secret and managed to get them to the top of our table. All in all, they weren't a great team this year because Eli Manning was either on fire throwing five touchdowns or five interceptions. So it was kind of which Eli's going to turn up this week. It wasn't just which Eli, it was which, um, which basically offensive line was terrible as well. I mean, I don't, I don't think the poor boys spent as much time in, um, in a single season on the ground picking himself up. Because, I mean, I mean, we all know, we've seen pictures, <laughs> it's quite synonymous of Eli getting his, himself r- rafted into the um, into the turf at any given stadium. Ew! <laughs> picking, picking up, picking up, <laughs> picking himself up with um, helmets askew and uh, jerseys. Um. Hey, that hurt. <laughs> but I, I honestly don't think there was enough there, really, to, to work on, say, a defence of that Super Bowl title. 
So, um, yeah, no, congratulations to him because that defence, when it worked its magic, it worked it in secret because, again, it turned up on some days and was great. It turned up on other days and was woeful. So, uh, numero uno. One. We have Tim Jennings, cornerback for the Chicago Bears, playing his part alongside Charles Tillman, who had a good year, I think, bearing in mind his age and the fact that the people around him are aging as well, with Erlacher, etc., on the defence. I think that was was just an amazing team this year. I really do think that there was a great proportion and heart and soul delved into that um, ageing team. Let's face it, Chicago Bears fans, they're the first to admit that the problem has been the drafting has not been looking into enough of the defence. I think people like Tillman need replacing. And I think these people like Jennings is perfect replacement. Yeah, he is. And he has literally stepped up this year to sit there and say that he's ready to take on, um, take the, on the Masters. Mantle. Yeah, take on the Masters throne. So do you think maybe that's a reason then why Lovey Smith hasn't found a job yet? I honestly think Chicago should have given him another year. With the fact that they did miss out by oh, what Nat's wing to the... Vikings on the last last day, and I, I know even say if they'd made the wild cards might not have been enough to save his job. Some people were saying um, they needed another Super Bowl run, mm. but at the same time, I think honestly that was a good enough team to give it another year with the way it was going. I don't think the Vikings would redo this year, and you can't just keep using Peterson to run your team. I don't no. think Ponder's strong enough. They'd lose a couple of pieces on defense, and there's just not enough there to sustain it through. Um, put on Peterson's back there's too much yeah but going back to Chicago do you think maybe that is why they have got rid of Lavi Smith then because if he's not been using the draft this year has got to be or will be one of the best years for defensive talent coming out of that draft didn't they say there was going to be about nine people they reckoned on the Georgia defence this year that are going to get drafted it, 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 it depends yeah you've got there's... Tao as well um, the... which we don't know where he's going to go obviously with everything that's going on at the moment uh, you've also got Minter from LSU who is a great player you look at a lot of the um, SEC teams Bama's spitting out another great couple of defensive players that SEC is making some really tough as nails, hard-fought defensive players ready to come out and are of NFL calibre, and it's great to see. Yeah, and Alabama have also got a couple of O-linemen as well, haven't they, that will go quite high up in the draft. It's pretty much that entire left side, isn't it? I think Basically so, Basically yeah. being dropped into it, and i tell you what, you would love to be able to pick them up as a pair. I think that, honestly, any offensive line weakened team, your Cleveland Browns, your... Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills, your Cardinals of the world, would just love to pick up a pairing like that and literally just sink them straight into the formations. Because that's almost immediately all your right-handed quarterbacks. Their blind side is just immediately just upgraded twofold. Yeah, absolutely. And really looking forward to the draft this year. As I say, it's going to be interesting to see who goes where. And for me personally, obviously, Bills with the number eight pick... I do not want them to take Tao, not because of what's gone down in the press recently and everything that's happened in his personal life. With the other players that are coming out, I would take Minter over Tao any day of the week, personally. Just the way he's played, the way he hits, the way he covers. Just an all-round great linebacker for me. The one thing that, yeah, the reason why, again, I choose that is just look at the championship game. Where was Tao in the championship game? Oh, he I think, was nowhere. I think if it's going to be that big a game, literally the biggest game of your college career, you've got to at least be... Yes, the team didn't perform overly well. Everyone was to blame. No one really turned up. You've got to set yourself apart that you were the striding man, you were the leading man, the captain you, charging from the front. The, dare I say it, Ray Lewis of that team this yeah. year with his own personal tragedy or at least half of his personal tragedy actually turned out to be the real case but still using that and being the emotional leader of the team yes I mean you've got to use that to somehow put into results or at least on field performance and as far as the championship game for me literally I think could have dropped him an entire round in my in my opinion yeah you know what though as well I think if that championship game is played the week after the season ends I think it's a completely different game oh it's cruel the way the system that breaks up for a month it's cruel because you have again, like 40 days off, don't you? Or something stupid between the end of the season and the championship game. Yep, and then they run out instead of putting at the um, you know, you have all the different bowls to sort of play, so you have about two weeks of bowls, other bowl games to sort of get out of the way, you know, all the sort of like you know, you know, Grand America Express card bowl and stuff like this. And when you're looking at people yeah. with six and seven records playing each other for bowl privileges. 
and you just what the heck yeah that's the only downside for me for the college system really you've either you've got to have maybe just those top bowl games like maybe five or six bowl games that all happen in that week build up to the BCS championship game and maybe leave yeah, it I mean, that I mean yeah you could have a week off because as, as we've seen with the NFL the week off doesn't so much um, disturb momentum of teams but maybe that's one for another day yeah maybe as that's for- one for a future podcast we'll, we'll bench that for now and we will plod on with our awards and next up we have the golden boot for most points by a kicker, which will be hosted by my good friend Marcus. So, Golden Boot this year, we're, we're working on different um, approaches to this, because it's not just merely most overall kicks and percentage. What we decided to go for was the person who, who sort of put both elements together. So we're talking the best field goal and extra point guy from around the league. So we've added it all together. So for our Golden Boot, we have a couple of nominations, and they are Shane Graham, Shane Graham Houston, Houston Texans. Jason Hansen, Detroit Tigers. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. Did we just step into baseball? We did, because <laughs> I, um, I do apologise for all Lions fans, because I'm thinking baseball. That is a two-day-old conversation suddenly kicking back into formation there, so I apologise. Matt Bryant, Bryant, Atlanta Falcons. Lawrence, Lawrence Tynes, New, New York Giants. Giants. And Blair Walsh, Minnesota Vikings. Not the twins. No. Okay. <laughs> Managed to get through the rest of that without embarrassing myself. Yeah, you did well there. Now buddy. the foot is out of my mouth. We'll start at three. And that goes to Blair Walsh of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, what a great season that guy's had. He's kicked five or ten field goals this year. Oh, over, the over 50. 50 yards. Oh, yeah. the over 50 percentage was mental. If we were just judging it on length, the, the kid was literally neck and neck with like Greg the leg the fact that it sort of came out through college he, he didn't think he'd actually be able to progress so it's great that he's managed to come out actually into the um, the NFL and do well made a hell of an impact to that team scored the points when needed oh yeah there was a lot of field goals coming out of um, Minnesota this year um, especially when they couldn't get the throwing game but only third place because now we go on to number two that's Matt Bryant of the Atlanta Falcons some great clutch kicking. Clutch kicking was what he was all about this year. There's, we've talked about it before, how many times this season Atlanta have just had one of the worst games you're ever likely to see, and yet somehow they string two, three passes together at the end of the game and be like, uh, Mr. Bryant, can you please go and win us the game now? Oh, by the way, yeah, it, it's for your paycheck. It's kind of what you're supposed to do, so off you trot. And just... Nine out of ten times through the up. Ignore the uh, the seventy thousand fans. Yeah, um, the only beef I have with him was that kick that against kick. the Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the old tester shot. Hmm, that's slightly to the right. Yeah. Oh, there's a little oh, bit what? of a breeze. Oh. What? No, there isn't. It's a dome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but um, no, I think still then. I mean, there was like you said, it's not just that one kick that he managed to clutch. There's a good four or five because Atlanta literally owe him to get them to um, that number one seed game, yeah, yeah number the champion because it was just dominant on the comeback performance they had the quintessential Eli Manning season towards the end yeah absolutely and uh, who do we have at one Lawrence Tynes of the New York Giants wow and we were just saying how bad a season they'd had as far as it went it was actually kind of weird because when we totted up the two things he was about third place when it came to actually field, field goals. goals but then we suddenly looked at it and his extra point percentage was mental uh, he had the number of extra points he kicked yeah and literally as it progressed in and we kept totting up our scoring system he ended up on top by a good sort of three or four points yeah and we just couldn't believe it because we're looking at it all these other people who progressively did so much better through field goals and you tend to think as as, as kickers the field goal is what would, what would win the day for them but as this was the golden boot, which generally means top scorer. Yeah, it's basically coming through, and he managed to play both sides of the kicking spectrum. Fair play to him, because again, it's not easy to, to survive in that environment in New York. It's a horrible place, as far as media speculation, the ever-watching eye, and... Uh, you know, in that, I'm not saying anything bad about the city. Don't get me wrong there. No, don't want any. Great city. Don't want any complaints about that. I'm not saying we love New York. What we're saying is that it's just as far as celebrity, sports personality, y'all ain't going anywhere to be Would easy. Would you say life. that the New York press is worse than the English media? In which speculation are we talking? English media as a whole, or 
as far as football goes, well, as far as uh, English for example, football, sporting wise, for all our American listeners, whenever we, soccer, yeah, whenever we do well at any sport, whether it be football, oh the Olympics, the Olympics, everything else, everyone's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But suddenly, for example, the cricket team, we got to number one in the world. The papers were all over it in cricket, saying how great we were. We lose a few matches in India, and next week, you know, there's a crisis and all the stuff about Peterson and. And who knows what. So it just never seems to end. There just always seems to be talking about something. There's a greater spotlight through us because the amount that we have to, to focus on is that we tend to play sports one at a time. The American press tends to, to centralise because where the, where the seasons lie, focus on one sport, that gets everyone's attention, and then we go on to the next sport, that gets our full attention. Yeah. So I think the problem is there... Whereas we literally we have overlap. Mo- we overlap constantly. What we do is we'll have multiple um, fingers in multiple pies. Um, the Yanks tend to literally just put their full fist into one pie and literally don't let go until it's all gone. So therefore, you have got a, a higher concentration of media, and it's it's not even New York because LA is tend to be the other the other power, the West Coast power. Again, anything that's happening in New York, LA is going to be jumping onto it. And then again, every major city will have its own. Like, you go anywhere in Texas, Dallas Cowboys can either do no wrong or the, or the scourge of the uh, of the earth, you know what I mean? Depending yeah. on how we, depending season to season. I'd love to talk to some people in Dallas about what they honestly think of Jerry Jones. That would be, uh, if anyone's can, can out we, there, yeah. Can, we, we, use, can we, we use a bleep on uh, I think we'll have to uh, make sure we have some kind of sort of swear... Swear, swear buzzer. Swear buzzer, what, every time I say Jerry Jones? And, yeah, and the, the profanity start. Ah, right, yeah, okay, quite possibly, yeah. But, um, you know, it would be great. I think we need to try and get on that. Next year, maybe, we'll, we'll have someone. When I get to do my fan interviews, I'll hopefully find someone deep in the heart of Texas that wants to be interviewed about the Cowboys. And if if they want, we can do a one-on-one interview to go the whole hog if they um, if they tend to be a, a rich oil baron who can afford to fly us out there for an interview. Yeah, li- li- I've got a caterer as well, so you would have to bring him out there. The guy from the sandwich shop at work, he uh, he wants Tony, he wants to uh, be in doing the catering, so... Yeah, there we go. Um, and we've also got... Um, so we've got our makeup own girls yeah, and um, <laughs> We're going to need a whole private jet. Send us a private jet. <laughs> Who are the makeup girls? Right, so we move on to the Eli Manning Award for Outstanding Performance in the Quarterback Position. One more time. The Eli Manning Award for <laughs> Outstanding Performance in the Quarterback Position. <laughs> I love how you managed to, to, to smack your knee halfway through that and go for Eli Manning. Eli Manning. Peter Griffin stop. Ow. Ow. Manning stop. Ew. Ew. Anyway, we move swiftly on to the nominations for the Eli Manning Award for Outstanding Performance in the Quarterback Position. We have Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan from Atlanta. Atlanta. RG3, RG3 from Washington. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers, Green, Green Bay, Bay Packers, Packers Peyton, Peyton Manning, Manning, Denver Broncos, Broncos and, and Russell Wilson, Wilson Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks. All of whom have had great seasons individually for their team. Almost go as far as to say they're probably all their own team's MVPs. The one I'd think about changing there would be possibly changing Matt Ryan for Julio Jones. Just because if you look at the way that Julio Jones has come out as a, as a presence, I think that's a great future bid in Atlanta. I mean... Yeah, great. Kids, kids young. A great trade at the time as well. Oh, great trade. How'd you let him go? <laughs> Kicking themselves. But still, no. I think they are literally. The quarterback position is it's a tough position, but at the same time, it's a well-needed, you need a tough person there to be able to deal with the punishment, but also hand out the glory at the end of the day. Yeah, so we move on to number three was... RG3. Washington Redskins. I mean, we've talked about him so much this season on the podcast. Have we? I think we may have mentioned his name once or twice. twice. Once or twice. Potentially in the offensive impact player award that we have. We might have mentioned him a few times, but he has had a great outstanding rookie season. We wish him all the best with his recovery after his uh, torn knee at the end of the season. Um, but up until that point, the guy was just on Couldn't fire. fault him, couldn't no, fault him. I, I mean, mean, to be named team captain as well, halfway through the season, during their bye week, the rest of the team pulled round and said, 
we want him to be one of our team captains. I mean, what better achievement is there than for your players to say, you're a rookie, but we respect you so much, we want you to lead us. The accolation of your peers. Yeah. I mean... That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it seems to be that charisma, strength, passion for the game just follow this guy around like a, a lingering aura and everyone else who's in his presence just feels it. And, and Wow, there's there's not a deep entendre there, is there? What? <laughs> <laughs> Why do we keep... Honestly, listeners... It's your own fault. Listeners, I mean this all through the true greatness of football, yet this has got to be <laughs> the fourth or fifth a time where my words have been tainted. You taint them yourself. I do not. When taint you say them. that people in his presence like to get a feel <laughs> of the energy, is that what of they call the it energy. these days? <laughs> and what form does this energy take? Well, it depends. In the form of Marshall Lynch, is a right good pounding. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. <laughs> How do we always come back to Lynch's pounding? <laughs> Somehow. It was the first one. I made, first one I made a mistake with. Yeah, so of course le- it was letting you uh, <laughs> let you ruin it. Aren't you free? We'll find it's Marshall Lynch that ruins people. Take a breath. Take a breath. Breathe, Marcus. Breathe. We will move on <laughs> to number two, being Peyton Manning. Yes. Well, Bring it back down to earth. The comeback king. I mean, everyone's... Well, wow, they, they, the comeback prince, bearing in mind the comeback king has got to be Adrian Peterson. Well, I don't know, though. Neck injury, I mean... Oh. Double knee surgery. Oh. I think with Manning, it was more significant because people were sort of looking at this at a time when maybe other people would have gone, this is the sign to stop. What, because of his age? Is that why you're thinking? Yeah, I mean, we're talking, what, 98 he came out of the league? So it'd be two years after Lewis, wouldn't it? So yeah. that would give him 15, yeah. 15, sorry, not 16. 15 years in the league, he's taken a lot of punishment. The guy's over the, the 35 marker, which tends to be the one that people sort of like start alarm bells ringing um, in professional sports these days. So therefore, it could have been, right, serious injury to my neck. I think it's time to call it a day, don't you guys? I've got a ring on my finger. I will always eat and drink for free in the uh, city of Indianapolis. Yeah, it's the the house that Peyton built, isn't it? That uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. That's how it's exactly as they call it. But the fact is, he must come back, dropped as it was, by his beloved team, the one where he could do no wrong. And though he came back, they still didn't want him. They had already seen that the time was up, the writing was on the wall. Therefore, what do you see? It was more the fact that they knew they could get the number one pick in the draft, and they saw the quarterbacks coming up for the future, and they were like, well, this is the year... This is the year we pick a quarterback in the draft. Yeah, but you could have easily kept Manning on. That's the thing. Could have kept Manning on. You could have let Andrew Luck have draft Andrew Luck and still let him have his year under tutelage. Do you know what, though? I think that might not have done him as good as coming in and yeah. being thrown in at the deep end because you look at the season he's had and the way oh, yeah. he's I'm, turned I'm, the Colts. I'm not going to fault the, the Colts for what they have done because, they. let's face it, I, when I saw it at the beginning of the year, I sat and went, they're rolling the dice here. And you know what? It paid off. They're 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 raking in, in in double money from that um, gamble. Yeah, absolutely. And got to the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. Exactly. A rookie quarterback that was the first quarterback to get over ten wins in a single season. Exactly. It's crazy when what they've managed to achieve, and you put into that sort of perspective, then you put in what Peyton Manning achieved in the same same season, and I think Denver Broncos. No one was quite assured. Tim Tebow was out. The mania had faded. And uh, it was time to actually see what a real quarterback could do in that in that scenario. And I think we all knew Peyton Manning. That's the one thing I think a lot of people were saying. We said it as well at the start of the season. Manning's going to have a great year because if his neck holds up, he's not going to have lost anything. It's not like being a running back. He'll have lost a step being out for a year or a receiver in the same scenario. He's a quarterback. It's all in his mind. It's all about how he reads the game, what he sees in front of him, how he changes that <laughs> offense. Um, yeah, I mean, the way they say it is that is that you never forget to, to learn to ride a bike. You know? So therefore, yeah, at the same time, you put him under the helm of that team. He hasn't forgotten how to read the plays. He hasn't forgot the deft touches that a defence will will push, the blitzes. And um, he had complete and utter faith and a great receiving core to know exactly where they were, where to throw it, when to throw it. 
and the release point and it um it was very close to see that he was number two that's it and uh and as well, of all the people we said at the start of the season, we thought he would be thrown to Demarius Thomas the most, didn't we? But it turned out... Decker. Decker was the most touchdowns, wasn't he, for Denver? Decker was the most touchdowns. I mean, Thomas managed to rake in the most um, most yardage on the team. But literally, when he wanted to get it done in the end zone, Decker was his man. And he uh, found his old combination with Brandon Stokely as well, which I was, I was glad to see because Stokely's another one of those kind of journeymen, if you will. He's kind of been around quite a few teams, never really been settled outside of Indianapolis, and now he's kind of found his home again in Denver with Peyton. These stories always come out. It's part and parcel of the magic that you can get with the NFL. I think that a lot of the time, this sort of stuff doesn't spout from other forms of sport. No. So let's move on then to... The Eli Manning Award for Outstanding Performance in the Quarterback Position. One... Mr. Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Discount Double Check himself. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, exactly. Wow, come on, the guy had a va- uh, an absolute brilliant year. I mean, there wasn't much to fault with his performances. No, most sacked quarterback there, wasn't he, in the league? That was the problem. Nothing wrong. This year, if you could be saying anything to say about the Green Bay Packers and why we're not talking about them in the Super Bowl, like uh, the same sort of thing we were last year or the year before at this sort of time that we were sitting again, they were Super Bowl bound. You have to say that there isn't just enough protection. And it's not even that, it's the where's the run game gone? Yep. You've got the great receivers, but where's the run game gone? You need the run game. Where's to the defence? Yeah. Where's the defence? You've got Hawk, you've got... Woodson. Woodson. I'm trying to think of the other linebacker. Oh, other than Hawk. Yeah, the other one. Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews, thank you. Only a small household name. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't understand why the defence isn't doing the same sort of fear striking into the heart of as the Seattle, the yeah. Houston. Where is that? Where's that dominance? Lack of passion? Or? I don't know what it is. In the North, the best defence you looked at it was Chicago this year. With all the ageing figures. Yeah. You've got a relatively young decent talented team in Green Bay where is your defence turning up to most weeks uh, Minnesota <laughs> Cause just a short drive it just didn't seem and the fact is what happened was this year is the people who beat Green Bay were teams that you would have thought they would have beaten I mean they managed to take off a couple of the sort of the bigger teams you know the, the closer games but the teams they weren't supposed to lose to were the ones they did it just it gets you scratching yeah scratching the beard the old itchy beard. <laughs> and it just didn't make sense to me. So you can't fault Aaron Rodgers, because he just seemed to be on fire, and there was a couple of them. The six-touchdown game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Six touchdowns. I mean, bang. You know, that's uh, if that isn't your Eli Manning award winner right there, I don't know. Yeah, what he's uh, very similar to uh, my game with Madden on Saturday. <laughs> I was the Bills against the Ravens. And uh, would you believe Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for uh, six touchdowns? You probably wouldn't believe that, but when I tell you how the game ended, you would believe it. 45-41 down, a few seconds left on the clock, Stevie Johnson wide open down the right, who overthrew him? Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> for what would have been the winning touchdown. Gutted, absolutely gutted. But there we go. It seems you can't, you can't even win a virtual game. No, no, he scored six <coughs> touchdowns, he nearly tied the, the record for most touchdowns in a game, but still... When it came to the clutch situation, the ball went wee over Johnson's head. So realistic, Madden. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, well. Yeah, we, we digress. Uh, we really should crack on because I see we're probably running a little bit short of time. So let's uh, dive into our Offensive Impact Player of the Year for the 2012 season. Marcus? Right. Going to get cracking onto this one now. So. Our nominees were Doug Martin, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, RG3, RG3, of course, our great, we've spoken about him already, Adrian Peterson, someone we haven't spoken about already, Calvin Johnson, yeah, Megatron himself, and Russell Wilson, so great candidates there, we've spoken about a couple of them already, so we'll try and skip them, a couple we haven't, Doug Martin, Doug Martin has had a great rookie year for Tampa Bay. The team looked like it would spark at one point. Unfortunately, mid-season, yeah. there was a three-game period. 
He put better part of 600 yards. Someone who's not on that list, but got careful consideration, I feel, from me certainly, was someone who did really well in the Pro Bowl as well, even though that is a joke of a game, Vincent Jackson. Oh, wow, that was great performance by him. But yeah, as we digress, um, Doug Martin, again, great year. So many times we spoke about him, hence why, as, as the shortlist, he had to be on there. And the other person we didn't speak about is Calvin Johnson. Yeah, what a great year. We've talked about Madden Cover Curse as well. It affected the team more than him this year. You look at broken, his records, yeah. yeah. Broke the single season record for receiving yards in the season. So, I mean, what a great year he's had. Not only that, he even managed to cause controversy. Uh, controversy. Thank you. Um, within our little camp here by dictating whether or not he is, in fact, the greatest receiver of all time. How about of all time? <laughs> So, we'll go down to... Three. Which is Calvin Johnson himself makes third place of our impact player. Um, which, again, is fair play because the numbers speak for themselves. Absolutely, they do. And without Calvin Johnson, if you took him out of that ugh. Detroit team, where would they be? I mean, they managed to scrape, what, four or five wins? Yeah. I mean, it, you, they'd be looking possibly at the old um, golden duck of a season. Yeah, absolutely, without the great Megatron. Two. Adrian Peterson. Yeah, see, his name keeps cropping up, which just goes to tell you how great of a season he truly has. Yeah, there's, there's, that's got to be, what, fifth, sixth mention already? And we're, what, only five five awards in? <laughs> yeah, exactly. One. RG3. I rant and rave about him all the time, and we've already had a rant and rave, so we'll try and keep this short. But the guy, as far as impact players... You take what the team, the Redskins team organisation had before. Now, so it wasn't just him. A lot of that came down to um, Alfred Morris as well. Yeah, absolutely. That whole offence got a nice little reboot. Yeah, absolutely. Pierre Garçon yeah. coming in. That but was then brilliant. even without that, they had Halou from last year, who without Morris, Halou would have probably had a great season as well. Maybe not 1,600 yards, but still would have been able to carry the running game for them. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of things have started to click in Washington. And as far as that is, one of the most eye-opening divisions in football that East and I think it's going to have to take a lot more watching because we're going to have to see in the next couple of years what's going to come out of it yeah absolutely who's going to win between Griffin and Manning and Romo I not think... to mention whoever ends up in Philadelphia yeah I mean it depends can Philly get themselves into an offence um, that's kind of clicking and a defence that wants to play together yeah they, well they've got Chip Kelly now haven't they as their head coach Mr I'm not going to be tempted away Oh, you mean, yeah, yeah. Now, I'm sticking with my Oregon, yeah. Sticking with my Oregon team, and then, oh, what's that? What's that, Philadelphia? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll come and coach with the Eagles. How much? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> you got to be a bit sour about that. A little bit, a little bit, because it was, it was the fact that... Um, For those who don't know, Marcus is a Oregon Ducks fan, so that's why he's going to be a little bit sour about Chip just deserting like that. It was the, the fact they pledging to stay on and then not. If you're going to stay on, fine. If you go... Fair play, you're going to go, you go. You had the kind of season that's going to get you the attention of NFL clubs. You're almost sitting there going, well, he's going at the end of the year. No, guys, I'm not going. I'm staying where I am. Actually, I've just seen the check they're going to give me. I am going. Yeah, all right, Two-Face, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how he gets on in Philadelphia. Do we Do we wish him all the best? Uh, I have to still wish him all the best, but at the same time, it's, you know, good luck with that Philadelphia team because it isn't going to be an easy ride. Really no, isn't going to be an easy ride. A lot of talent, but not a great team spirit. So we move on now to our defensive impact player of the year. And we have our list of contenders. We have Rondé Barber, Barber, safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers. Uh, We have the great Mr. Ray Lewis, Lewis. Charles Charles Tillman, Tillman, JJ Watt and Alden Smith. Great list of candidates there for the defensive impact player. It's a great defensive year to be frank. Yeah, unlike last year where it did seem to be very offense-dominated, mainly because of the lockout, I feel. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, this year they had a full off-season and everything else. So, we go with number three, Mr. Ray Lewis. The award namesake himself. Absolutely. and Well, he didn't win it this year because he didn't play all season, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, you think what he's done, especially in the off-season the run, yeah, yeah the, uh, the post-season just lit up with, yes, the great story, the I am going to retire, oh my God, this could every game could be his last. Yeah. But not only that, the fact that he has been the defensive impact player every single time. Yeah. Double-figure tackles every single time. 
possibilities of interceptions when he can catch them. Yeah. But still, it has to be said, the guy is playing, broke his, um, fractured the finger. Yep. As well, we all saw the, um, I don't know if anyone else saw the, the, um, pictures of him on the sideline getting his finger snapped back into place. Yeah, ouch. But, um, yeah, and then coming back, missing a single play for it. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? The toughness <laughs> of these guys. No, it's crazy. Two. We have Alden Smith, San Francisco 49ers. Another person who's had a great year in a, in a, in a, well, in a great defence, really, but he has made a difference, especially with his sack count. Yeah, I think the sack count's really been dominant because that's what um, San Fran needed, some dominance, some sack, something just to create pressure. You know, you turn your second down and short into a third and long. Some sackability. Quite literally. One. We have the king of swatting, the king of sacking, the king of pretty much everything on the defensive line this year. The king of uh, playing on when you split your finger right open. Oh yeah, and you splatter your shirt in blood like he did in the Pro Bowl. And then turning around and playing uh, wide receiver. Yeah. Probably should have stuck to defence though after that. But, yes, we're talking about... J.J. Watt of the Houston Texans has just been outstanding all year. Over 20 sacks this year. Ridiculous number of pass deflections at the line of scrimmage. He was simply everywhere across that defensive line. Literally, Houston, as far as um, that front seven, I don't think they would have been anywhere near as dominant because, of course, the pressure, the uh, the pure power. It's just incredible what he's done. Yeah, so <clears throat> now we're going to move on to the... Rookie of the year. Yeah. And it's back to me this time. Okay, so going back to the Rookie of the Year, and we had a very long list of people because we had to drum up a lot of people and we went, oh, what about this person? Oh, what about this person? We couldn't stop adding. We had to sort of, in the end, sort of hold our horses at 10. And just uh, quickly in that, we won't go through the list of all 10 names. No. What we will say is that the Rams fans did not rally around Marcus and we did not get enough comments to take Stefan Gilmore out of the list, unfortunately. You let me down, guys. You let me down. Oh. Yeah, you should see the look on his face. Yeah, it's very, very puppy dog face at the moment. Maybe with some Puss in Boots eyes as well. <laughs> if you could see it, we'll, we'll show you the picture. That's what Marcus looks like right now. So, we move on then. So, like all the time. Um, so, I'm going to go starting with number three. That's Alfred Morris. We spoke a little about him earlier. We're going to speak a little about him now. He was absolutely great little find from a kind of nowhere school. Yeah, from a nowhere, draft nowhere pick. pick, you know. It was just, let's bang him in. Oh, training camp. This is what happens. These training camps are there. Your third on the roster doesn't matter. You show what you can do to the coaches, you will earn your first spot. Yeah, Morris happened to, Russell Wilson it happened to. No one knew Russell Wilson was going to be the starter going into training camp, but after training camp, there was only ever one quarterback, wasn't there? Exactly, which leads us actually to number two, which is Russell Wilson. And the amazing sort of turnaround and the actual the presence he's put on that Seattle Seahawks offense. That's right, we're talking about Seattle in offensive term. And the fact is, he's managed to work really nicely with Marshall Lynch to create this nice sort of tandem, whereas the ground attack yeah. works with a sort of offensive sort of air attack. We saw the fact that he can actually roll out the escapability, extending plays, allowing that extra time for the, the breaking coverage. Again, you saw that in the Pro Bowl as well. Saw it in the Pro Bowl, oh my word. It seems to be that Russell Wilson came from it you're not big enough. You're five ten and five eight. Uh, I love how they put that on his profile. He's five ten and five eights. Oh, is he? Yes, five uh, eights. Because the five eights of an inch make a heck of a difference. Absolutely, they do. <laughs> Talking about how he's in the same classes as Drew Brees, who at six foot never quite got the accolade because he's too small. Well, you know what? Can turn around and all his doubters can just eat their words now because he's there and he's he's reaching the Pro Bowl in, in the rookie sense. He's going to build on this, the foundation's there, and kid's going to go far, and I think it's great to see. But of course we have to go to number one. And that is... What number? One. One last time, what number? One. And at number one we have a three. An RG3. That's right, we've mentioned again as our rookie of the year this time. Crazy, crazy. We're not we're just completely enamoured by this man. It's the fact is that he literally... Blew our socks away throughout most of the season. He fought above and beyond the call of duty. Maybe too far above and beyond the call of duty, it seems, in the end. But at the same time, you sat there and you loved the passion. The fans loved the passion. The players loved the passion. 
And forgive the wrestling pun here, but he is the people's champion of the NFL in my eyes. The wrestling fans out there will get the reference, unlike Marcus, who is tossing some tumbleweed. (laughs) So I am, of course, referring to the great The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Come on, you'll have seen his films. You know who he is. Don't be like that. But definitely, I think he's captured the heart of a nation. Yes, I think. I think. Yeah, I was gonna say. um, (laughs) Yeah, RG three. I think he captured it coming from the Heisman Trophy all the way through. Let's just put a monkey in your back from day one. Yeah. And then what happens? Week one, he comes in. He's the only winning rookie. Yeah. Bang! First win. Get rid of the doubters. Get into your game plan. Okay. There's a slight mid-season dip. Um, They came on a very harsh road regime, which you couldn't actually sort of get out of. It was there. It was. It was a br- uh, bridge you have to cross. It's going to be tough. You face it. Get through it. You did. Brilliant. You've come out the other side. <laughs> a little worse for wear, but hopefully stronger of will. Yeah, absolutely. So now we'll uh, we'll finish up with our... Most valuable player of the season. Voted by... You! Our dedicated spitball listeners. So we have in third place, JJ Watt. You're going to hear names that you've already heard for good reasons. Over and over, over, and over, and over again. There's a reason why they're MVP candidates. Absolutely. The second place was Megatron, Calvin Johnson. And numero uno, most valuable player of the 2012 season. You got an orange peanut? Yeah. An orange peanut? Mm-hmm. For me? Wow. An orange peanut? Well, I accept you. <laughs> we have and I hope he accepts this award of most valuable player 2012 season from the Spitball listeners yeah! rapturous applause Adrian Peterson congratulations yeah. on being our MVP for the 2012 season <laughs> it's our MVP MVP say it again MVP yeah and well We've reached the end of the show now. It's uh, It's been great fun putting together these awards and obviously the, the podcast as well this year being our rookie season as, as podcasters. So <clears throat> we have one more to go after the big game itself on Sunday. As we're about to leave, or any parting words from yourself about the Super Bowl on Sunday? You guys out there, it'll be the last show of the year. Anyone who hasn't had taken the opportunity to sort of chuck us a question however crazy because it is a sort of last podcast of the year so let it go as crazy as you like you get in contact with us talking to you Harry <laughs> you know who you are <laughs> get in contact with us we'll try and get read out no not we'll try we will get it read out absolutely and it's then the last show of the last season, show of the season. Uh, we will get read out no matter how crazy it is and we will answer them in Dublon tendres <laughs> as it were to see of Mr Henson and then watch quit the ensuing two minutes of laughter that someone's going to have to edit out otherwise <laughs> <laughs> this show's pushing on an hour <laughs> yeah exactly well that's what we have an editor for <laughs> so. but yes guys tell us how we did tell us what you want to say tell us any crazy thing you want to do Super Bowl NFL related anything like that we are absolutely up for it Let's have a last podcast blowout. Absolutely. Um, the big game this Sunday. So instead of the final words coming from me this week, I'm going to leave the final words to Mr. Al Pacino in the film Any Given Sunday. Take care. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Either we heal as a team, or we're going to crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here, get this shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. One inch at a time. Now, I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I look around, I see these young faces, and I think, I mean, I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I, uh... 
I threw away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in America. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I'll tell you this, in any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that itch. And I know if I'm going to have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because that's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. You got to look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now I think you're going to see a guy who will go that inch with you. You're going to see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're going to do the same for him. That's the team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals. That's football, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do?